This past Wednesday, I just, I want to share just on a personal note that our connect group on Wednesday was amazing. And you might not know what a connect group is, but let me share that with you. Our connect groups are adult small groups that meet here on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.45, so about an hour and 15 minutes. And our groups are, depending on the group, you know, it might be six, it might be eight. That's ours really ranges in that group. My uh, connect group leader uh, is Alvin. Alvin's my connect group leader. Thank you, Alvin, for leading our group. And our our a, lo- a number of our groups, not all, but a number of our groups are based on discussion questions that are written from uh, the message today. We will have uh, that discussion on Wednesday, okay? So the, the, the message is preached, and even if someone is not able to be with us on a given Sunday, generally our, our, our uh, online messages are up on Tuesday, so someone has a couple of days where they can see that message and then feel like they really are able to engage in that discussion. And we had just a phenomenal, uh, uh, there was there was such a spirit of sharing. There was such an authenticity uh, there. I, I just was really blown away by just the, the, the gravity of that time together. And, and when you meet... Um, you know, week in and week out with the same group of people, you begin to have uh, a real sense of a relationship with those people. You begin to understand and know where they're coming from and, and really the road that they're walking. And so I just, I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for that kind of authentic relationship within the church, I, I just want to challenge you to, to come and be a part of one of those groups. You don't have to to announce yourself. You can just show up and say, show me where a group is. And and they're they're all around the building. Um, And so obviously we have kids uh, groups that are meeting at the same time. But, um, you know, maybe you can't. Maybe you work, your work schedule won't let you. Um, You can get those discussion questions anyway, and you can use them in your own daily devotional time with the Lord. And I know what you're thinking. How can I get my hands on those discussion questions, and I'm glad that you asked that because I'll share with you that you can uh, you can take the Connect card on the seat pocket in front of you, and there's a spot there that says, uh, sign me up for the weekly emails. And in those weekly emails, you can subscribe to those weekly emails, and it always has those Connect Group questions available. There's always a link on Monday to the Connect Group questions for that upcoming Wednesday. So if you'd like to even incorporate those in your own personal uh, life, there's a great way to do that. And so uh, I I just want to share that with you, um, and I was inspired to do so just because of the quality of of the time that that our group experienced this Wednesday, and I want that for you. I desire that for you in your life, and and it's something that is so easy. It's so accessible. Even if you cannot be here uh, personally, you can still use that in your own time with the Lord, right? Okay. All right. We're good. You guys are a little, you're, you're a little quiet on me this morning. I don't like that when you're quiet. Quiet people make me nervous. 
They do. I don't know what they're thinking. I'd rather hear what, you know, just just come right out with it. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's good to see you this morning. Um, We're going to launch into the New Testament this morning and in our series of In the Wilderness, and we're going to look at another season uh, of of the wilderness experience. And this one might, maybe this is going to catch you off guard a little bit because the main character in this wilderness experience is Jesus himself. And you might be thinking, well, wait a second, if, if I really look at this wilderness stuff that, that we've been talking about, how can I imagine that Jesus would actually go through a wilderness experience? And, and Jesus' wilderness experience that he went through, it was, it was literal and figurative all at the same time. He was, he was in the, 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 the physical idea of the wilderness, but he also just the experience as a whole was a wilderness experience for him. And it really sort of dismantles the notion that would say that wild, a wilderness experience is a punishment from God. Okay, I think sometimes when we go through those those difficult dry seasons um, or challenging seasons in our lives, we sort of wonder, God, what did I do wrong? Jesus went through the wilderness and if Jesus can go through the wilderness, certainly we're going to go through the wilderness as well. But I want you to look at this, and we're going we're gonna to look specifically at Luke chapter 4, which I'll read in just a moment. But Matthew records, I mean, almost identical. They have, they have just a few different rearrangements um, in how they, uh, he and Luke talk about it, but it's, it's an, the identical scenario. Um, and, and as we look at this, uh, particularly Luke chapter 4, Jesus' journey into the desert, it led to the launch of his public ministry among the Jews. Now, I want you to just, I want to just give you a smidge bit of context, and that is that, that previous to chapter 4, Jesus has just been baptized, okay? Now, when you and I go through a wilderness experience... Do we generally imagine that as a, 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 a position of strength or a position of, of, of weakness? We generally think of it as a position of weakness, okay? Jesus was just baptized, just, I mean, just like right before chapter 4, okay? And, and I want you to think for a moment about Jesus' baptism, all right, he goes down into the water of the Jordan with John the Baptist, who baptizes him. And the Bible says that Jesus came straight out of the water. Now, I've pulled a lot of you out of the waters of baptism. And I praise God that I've never lost anyone yet. There's always a first. But Jesus did not come out of the water like you or I did. He came straight up out of the water and literally was not in the water, was not on land. But the idea is that Jesus came up out of the water and into the air. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on him like what? A dove. And then we hear the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, position of strength or position of weakness? 
I'd say that was a pretty good day, wouldn't you? I mean, I've heard a lot of you talk about, uh, about baptism. And I've heard you say, man, the day that I was baptized, it was amazing. And you still, years later, you remember the spiritual high on your baptism day, right? I mean, I've had many people over the years say exactly that same thing. They have very vivid memories of what happened on their baptism day, and they were on a spiritual high. Imagine the spiritual high that Jesus was on coming up out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and God speaks verbally, and people hear it. That's a pretty good day. That is a pretty good day. And immediately following that experience, we're in chapter four. And I want you to get this. Did you get the spiritual high? Are you tasting it? Are you feeling it? No? Are you with me? Come on. Are you with me? Wake up here. Get another cup of coffee. We, we need to understand that Jesus just comes through this incredible spiritual high. Then we're going to pick up in chapter four, verse one. Follow along, whether it's on the screen or in your Bible or in, 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 the, uh, in the Bible app, but here it is. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just descended on him as a dove. He is full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he, had, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempt, this tempting, he left him alone until an opportune time. What I'd like to do today is I want to see what God wants to teach us through four aspects of Jesus' wilderness experience. The first one is this. Number one, not misled into the wilderness. Notice Jesus was led into the wilderness. He was not misled into the wilderness. When we go into a wilderness experience, so we're, we're like, there was not, I didn't see a turn sign, you know. I did not see anything that said wilderness exit here, 
okay? You ever, you ever accidentally get off the freeway at the, at the wrong spot? Now, it's pretty tough, you know, coming in and out of Marquette to get off at the wrong spot. You know what I mean? All roads kind of lead to the same place. But when you're driving through a, a, a major city, I, you know, I just thought of this, but I was coming back uh, from, from downstate one time, and I mean downstate Michigan, and I was in southern, in southern Michigan, and I wound up, I'll tell you, I, I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, there are signs for Detroit, and I was not supposed to go through Detroit. And it is like in the middle of the night, and I am like, this just cost me like an hour and a half you know, because I didn't realize it. When you go to the wilderness, there's not necessarily signs that say turn left here for the wilderness, okay? But Jesus was not misled. God did not mislead Jesus into the wilderness. God led him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding Jesus. He is full of the Holy Spirit. He is coming from a position of strength, uh, coming from a position of being filled with the Holy Spirit. God is leading him, and where does he lead him? He leads him into the wilderness. Jesus' baptism was amazing. It was It was incredible. But now he's moving into that new thing. And, and he's coming out of that amazing spiritual high, being led into the wilderness according to God's purpose. God can lead you and I into the wilderness and do so according to his purpose and according to his plan for our lives. Now, Matthew and Mark, both are, Matthew and Luke, rather, both record that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Now, the, the, the difference is uh, Matthew is really clear that Jesus fasted for 40 days first. Luke, the way he writes it, seems to allude that, that it was all kind of happening simultaneously. The fasting and the tempting was going on kind of at the same time throughout those 40 days. But fasting is a spiritual discipline of giving, willingly giving up eating for a period of time for spiritual purposes to restore one's intimacy with God. Maybe there's an answer that you really desire from the Lord. And, and you say, you know what, I'm going to fast so that I can clearly hear God's voice in my life. Maybe it's an, part of a, an annual spiritual reset in your life. But for whatever reason, fasting is that giving up. Now, now people have often, they will substitute things um, for food. So rather than give up food, they'll give up social media. Or they'll, they'll give up uh, taking care of their kids for a week. Um, you know, but they, they'll do something um, that they normally would do. And, and they do it as a means of spiritual discipline. Now, now, giving up something like social media could be difficult, but there is nothing any more difficult than giving up eating, okay? And I'll tell you why. Because the moment you stop eating, you actually begin dying, okay? And you only have so long. Now, I don't know exactly how long that is. And it's probably different for other, you know, for different people. But at some point, if you stop eating, you will die. You have to eat. 
You have to get some form of nutrition in order to exist. And when someone says, I'm willingly giving up that which keeps me alive, we call that fasting. And that's what Jesus was doing for 40 days. Because God led him into this wilderness experience. God did not mislead Jesus into the wilderness, and God can lead you and me into the wilderness, and it's not misleading us. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordained of God, and God can guide your steps into a period of time that we can call a wilderness experience because he wants to accomplish something in your life. And let me tell you, when God leads you into a wilderness... Sometimes you're going to be led to do things, okay? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that he felt impressed upon by the Holy Spirit to fast for 40 days. There are times when you are going to feel led by God to do something. And maybe it's as crazy as giving up food for a period of time and people will not understand. Are you with me? Now, I want you to be careful, though, because whenever God leads us to do something, it's always going to have its foundation in the Word of God. It's not going to disagree with the Word of God. It's going to be confirmed in Scripture. So there's the concept, the, the idea of it. Some, some, there's going to be some support that we get from Scripture. So we have to make sure that when we're saying that we're led of God, that it's something that is supported by the Word of God. Psalm 143 in verse 10, it says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. God leads you and, and me. He leads us. He leads us, why? For his purposes. He wants to lead us to good and level ground, and when he does, it's always going to align with his word. Now, part of God's purpose in leading Jesus into the wilderness was for him to be tempted. And so I want to just touch on this for just a moment. And, and I, I don't want you to misunderstand me, okay? God is not going to lead you into temptation. What did Jesus pray in what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, right? Jesus himself was praying, God, God, don't lead me. Scripture is very clear that God does not lead us into temptation. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So rather than tempting us, God provides a way of escape for us out of that temptation because God is not trying to set up a scenario whereby you will fail. If God is for us, the Bible says, who can be against us? God is not up there scheming, trying to figure out neat little tests to put you through so that potentially you may fail. God wants you to succeed. 
He may lead you into a wilderness, but he's not going to tempt you. He has a plan of escape. Number two is prove it. Don't you love it when somebody says prove it? Look at verse 3 again from Luke chapter 4. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He is saying to Jesus, prove it. If you're the son of God, prove it to me. And here's how you can prove it. Turn this stone into bread. How do you think Jesus felt at the end of his 40 days of fasting? Weak, famished, tired? Anybody? If you go without food, you start getting, you, 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 you do lose energy. Now, there are transitions that happen in your body, okay? And there are moments when you will feel amazing, but there is a weakness that accompanies going without food because you're not eating those carbohydrates that translate into dumping sugar into your bloodstream so that you can feed off it and use it for energy. Jesus was tired, he was hungry, he was weak, he, 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 didn't, he wasn't his normal uh, level of strength, and the devil appears to him in that moment of weakness and says, I want you to turn this stone into bread. Prove it. Show me that you're the son of God. You say, well, what's so big about that temptation? Well, first of all, I want you to experiment with 40 days of fasting, and then we'll talk. I, th- it was, I think it was probably uh, 12 or 13 years ago, my in-laws had their, their 50th. I don't know if I have the exact date right, but uh, for their 50th anniversary, um, Wally and Marlene wanted our, our whole family on my wife's side to get together, all the kids, all the grandkids, to be together for a week um, in a timeshare condo. And, um, and, you know, I have to say, it was the, the, the most fantastic eating vacation I've ever been on, okay? It was outstanding. And, and we, we went to Branson, Missouri for the week, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I really, we were in the pool every day as a family, and we did all sorts of activities. Absolutely loved it. And one of the things that we did, and, and my, my brother-in-law, Kevin, um, he, um, he, he's a timeshare. He was a timeshare guy and they had a timeshare down there. So he knew every place down there. He knew every good place there was. And so, uh, he said, Hey, let's, we're going to go North of Branson. And I really wanted to go to the Bass Pro Shop in Springfield. And so on your way in between, uh, Branson and, and, and the Bass Pro Shop in Springfield nestled just south of Springfield there on highway 65 is this, this little, this little place. It doesn't look like much, you know, and, and it's a place called Lambert's and, and this restaurant, you know, we walk in there and my brother-in-law is, he's telling us, you know, the spiel about this place. And he said, you know, they give you a lot to eat. In fact, they have people that walk around and they just have these big, these big stainless steel tubs and they're giving you more side dishes. Okay. As you, as you desire them. And he said, the portions are huge. My brother-in-law got country fried steak and I kid you, it was as big as a garbage can lid, okay, the piece of meat. It was unbelievable. And, and this place has a, they kind of have a slogan, okay, for Lambert's. And it's called the Home of the Throad. Okay, it's down south, so bear with me. The Home of the Throad Roll, okay? 
And, and while we were there, this guy comes out of the kitchen with a cart, okay? He's pushing a cart. And this guy's in, he's in his early 20s. And all of a sudden, people start yelling at this guy all over the restaurant. And they want a roll, okay? Now, I love rolls, but wait your turn, you know? This guy picks up the roll, and he, he'll point to Carl. He would point at you, and he would chuck that thing like a fastball across the, the restaurant. And I see this happening. And it now, it now is an activity that is like two of my favorite things, <laughs> eating rolls and baseball, okay? I am now in love with Lambert's. I've never forgotten this experience. And I'm like, dude, I'm back here. Wait, you know, and I'm, I'm yelling. I, I want to, and it's more about the catch than anything else, okay? And this guy, he fires one across. There's, there are fishing nets hanging if you can't catch so you can grab a fishing net and, and catch a roll. Okay, that's this kind of place. This guy chucks a line drive just above the heads of people. It's going to come in hot. And I kid you not, at the very last second, a guy halfway between us goes like this. And he pulls it out of the air. I was so heartbroken because that was my role. So finally, the guy, I'm like, I'm deep, I'm open, and the guy heaves one, and I catch it, and immediately, the roll, like, it almost melts out of my hand, okay? It's buttery, soft, warm, delicious roll, okay? This, can, you, can you just smell it right now? It was, it was just, it was unbelievable. I, I wanted to catch a lot of fly balls that day because that was so good. There is nothing like, like warm, buttery, fresh out of the oven bread. Do you remember, you remember bunny bread and Marquette on Washington? You drive by at the right time of day, just roll down your window. Oh. Then they tore it down. <laughs> I, think, I think there were people visibly crying that day. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Now, let me tell you something. Satan says to Jesus, if you are really the son of God, prove it by turning that stone and it might as well have been into a warm, buttery fresh Lambert's roll. And after 40 days, if you put butter on the rock, you'd be tempted to eat the rock. Imagine Jesus' weakest moment and Satan comes in and he tempts him. The tempter will always try and get you to take a shortcut around your weakness. He's going to come at you at your, the point of your greatest weakness. Paul called it his thorn in the flesh. He asked God three times to deliver him. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said, but, if, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
After he asked God to deliver him three times, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough for you, that means. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Jesus understood this at this moment, and Satan did not get it. That after 40 days of fasting, after 40 days of saying, God, I'm, I will give up that which keeps me alive, that Jesus' spirit was, was enormous, that he was, his flesh may have been weak, but I'll tell you what, the spirit of God was strong in him, and the tempter is always going to try to get you at your weak, your greatest weakness, but God's grace is enough to get you through. In fact, he can strengthen you during that time. That's good. I don't, right there, I could say amen, and that's, that's right there. That's it. Take that home with you. Number three, empty promises. Notice I'm going to keep going, though. Number three, empty promises. Look at verses five to seven of our text in Luke 4. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world said, I'll give you the authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. So 40 days without food, after being tempted at the point of his greatest weakness, Satan now takes a different approach, this new strategy. He takes Jesus to a vantage point where he can see all the kingdoms of the world. Now think about this, okay? Uh, think of may, maybe it was in the spirit realm that he took him. I, I don't know because you can't back away from the earth far enough to see all the kingdoms of the world because there's always going to be the other side of the earth, right? But whatever he did, he took him far enough to a place where Jesus could somehow see all the kingdoms of the world all at the same time, okay? Now, and he, tell, he tells him that if you worship me, all this is going to be yours. And the Bible tells you and I that the purpose of Jesus coming into the world is to seek and to save the lost. So every person in every kingdom uh, seen from this vantage point, every single person in those kingdoms was Jesus' purpose. Okay? So now Satan is tempting Jesus, not at the point of his greatest weakness, but the point of his greatest purpose. Totally different. He said, if you will worship me, I'll give you all of this. Isn't this why you came? Isn't this what you're here for? It's all mine. It's all mine. I have, all, I have the authority. And, and there was some truth to what he was saying. God is, has 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 given Satan, he's called the prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world. He has an authority temporarily. And Satan says, hey, the, the authority's mine. If you, if you just want to bow down and worship me, we can get this all over. I'll give it all to you. It'll all be yours. Revelation says that one day the whole world will take his mark and they will bow down and worship Satan. And although Satan will ultimately de be defeated, he has this, this 
short-term temporary authority. Satan knew what Jesus' purpose was to come as the salvation of the world. He knew his purpose. But if Jesus bowed down and worshiped Satan, he would just be submitting himself to Satan's authority and the purpose for which God had called him would be thwarted. Guys, the tempter is going to do everything he can to derail you from your primary purpose that God has created you for. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus says this, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? That's what Jesus could have gained the whole world by bowing down to say, what would it, what, what would it profit you to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Satan is going to promise you all the things that you believe are, the, are God's purpose for your life. They're going to appear to be good. They're going to appear to be right and true. But they require a, a, a type. Uh, and even if it's just a moment, but it's going to require compromise on your part. And once that compromise is made, it can never be taken back. If Jesus had bowed, and worship Satan. That would, that would never be able to be undone. Never be able to undone. God's purpose in our lives must be achieved by his plan. There's no shortcuts. No shortcuts. But you can guarantee the enemy's going to attack you at the point of your greatest purpose in life. Number four. Show us what you've got. Luke chapter 4, we read that earlier. The devil takes him to a, a Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. So they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You say, well, this, is, this last one is not really that big of a deal. But really what Satan says is, Jesus, why don't you give me a demonstration of your power? He actually quotes scripture. How freaky would that be? To have Satan quoting scripture in front of you. You know, there are times in our thinking when we might even, even a scripture may come up but the application of it is not something that would be God's plan for our lives. And we got to be careful because even Satan knows the scripture. Satan is appealing to Jesus' pride. This is a last ditch effort. You say, what could it hurt? You're the son of God, right? Why not show us your power? Show us, because God, God says that you won't even dash your foot against a stone, that his angels are going to take care of you. Satan is just literally, he, he's trolling. Now, not, I, I, you know, they, they use that word now. This is like fishing trolling. He's just, he's just throwing whatever is out there. He's throwing the kitchen sink because he just wants to see if Jesus is going to bite. And you know what? You and I sometimes we're guilty of biting and it's a last ditch effort on the enemy's part. But we've got to say, you know what? I'm just going to let it go by. He's going to keep throwing stuff at us because of our sinful nature. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. James says this, but each person is tempted when, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
We've got that sinful nature in each of us, and the enemy is just appealing to it time and time again. He is just throwing stuff at us to see if he can get us to bite. Now, I want you to know something, and this is really big. We could preach the whole message just on this one thing. But every time that Jesus was tempted, he used the word of God as his defense. Every time. He, he, he said, it is written. And where it was written was in the scriptures. Jesus, when he was tempted, he used God's word in order to fend off the enemy. He quoted scripture and he won. And then verse 13 of our text, Luke 4, 13, it says this. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left until an opportune time. I want you to understand that the tempter is always going to look for the most opportune moment. Some moment in our lives when he understands it's the most opportune time. And when we're quoting scripture, when we are are using the word of God to fend off those temptations, he's going to say, you know what? I'll just wait. I got all the time in the world. I'll just wait till a moment when I sense that you're weaker than you are right now. We can use God's word. We can use that shield of faith. The Bible, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we can use the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. God has given you and I. He's given us the tools that we need to withstand when the enemy comes at us during that wilderness experience. I don't know where you are today. You might be in the, in the midst of a season where you feel like there's a lot of temptation in your life, but I want you to know Jesus has given us the victory. He's, he's provided it for us. Jesus won. Jesus stood. See, you and I, we don't have to stand in front of Satan to endure temptation, okay? Satan's got bigger fish to fry than you and me, but we're still being tempted nonetheless. Jesus stood face to face and he endured it. He has won the victory through the cross and that is available for you and I today. And so as we close our service, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what temptation you are facing, God has made a way of escape for you and God has purchased victory for you and I through the blood of Jesus and we have it today in his name. Amen.